0: still somehow not bankrupt repair your own iPhone or if you're smart don't gaming news wait what dubious rumors Twitter all a flitter Facebook shrugs Google copies and the Mac studio is literally off the charts for Monday May 2nd this is episode 274 oh of... Space Space control. We are ready for launch. Affirmative. All right, cadets. Space javelin is go. We are utterly delighted to welcome back our special celebrity guest, the Apple Insider podcast host and the HomeKit podcast host for Apple Insider as well. And it's just an all-around very nice guy, Stephen Robles is here. Hurrah,
1: Charles! It's a pleasure to be here. Thanks for having me again, second time.
0: We are quite delighted to have you back. You are the smoothest voice, I think, of all the people that we've ever oh. on the show,
1: including me. You're very kind.
0: And both Mike and I have done radio professionally,
1: so. It's on the microphone. You get a fancy enough microphone, you, you sound great. I think that's all it is. It's mm. all it is.
0: Okay. So your kids don't have as high an opinion of your voice as I do? Oh. <laughs> <All right.
1: laughs> no. No, because they only hear my voice when I tell them to stop doing something. So it's, it's a very different <laughs> yeah. interaction.
0: Yeah. All you ever say to them is, no.
1: Yeah, it's very yeah, right. different. You got it. Good point.
0: Well, we have a lot of news to cover, and so we're going to dive right into it. But the big story, of course, is amazing. And this is why I'm glad you're here and Mike's not. Apple's quarterlies. (laughs) Yes, and they make a lot of money. As we all work with Mike here, we know how he feels about these quarterlies.
1: How does he feel?
0: And I see that he has finally palmed off notes of interest on Malcolm. Yes, Ah, Good job, Mike.
1: It's a lot of work for kind of bland information, I guess you could say. I mean, it's interesting-ish, but...
0: It's interesting-ish only if there's something dramatic changes. Correct. And really nothing dramatically changes except the number of zeros (laughs) and the money
1: (laughs) that Apple
0: makes. As I predicted on this show, they beat last year's year-ago quarter, which was actually a surprise jump a year ago. They jumped 24% up from the year before that. So I thought they'll be about there and a bit more. And sure enough, it's hard to classify $8 billion more as a bit. Yeah. (laughs) Unless you're William Gallagher, of course. (laughs) But... (laughs) Yes, they made about 8 billion dollars more money this time around as they did in the year ago quarter and when you're making in the plus 90 billion dollar range that is a bit.
1: So I tweeted Elon is buying Twitter for 40 something billion. Apple could buy 2 Twitters with that amount of money. It's insane.
0: <laughs> Twitter and Twitter. They could That's do right. both. They could do both. All of them. <laughs> I suggest they just buy Elon (laughs) um, and then put him in a box somewhere, please. Anyway, we'll get back to Twitter later. Sure, sure. That's a mess. (laughs) But I will say this. Sometimes you can be on the deck of the Titanic and spot the iceberg. Mm. That's what I'll say mm, about that. Mm-hmm. Anyway, mm-hmm. <laughs> so the thing that I found interesting about all of these figures, and again, because I'm only marginally more a fan of this than Mike is, but the interesting thing about the figures, in my opinion, was that the gross margin has really been creeping up. Yeah, Apple is making more money, and the reason for that is mostly because of the explosive growth of
1: services. Yeah, I think it was like 17% year over year, Yeah. And And, you know, it's interesting. A lot of the stuff we cover, which you'll have in the topics for later. I mean, Apple TV Plus, such a concerted effort to really make that a thing, make it attractive to people.
0: They have done that. Yeah. (laughs) That box is checked.
1: Yeah. Services. And, you know, seeing the Mac increase in revenue is kind of exciting as someone who loves the Mac as well. So, yeah, doing good.
0: The iPads sales were down. But Apple actually implied, they didn't directly say this, but they implied very strongly that the only reason for that is because they actually did shift priority away from the iPad towards the iPhone to help iPhone sales during the chip and shipping shortages.
1: Yeah, and that was something I actually bought my kids iPads back in December and they didn't arrive until late January. Yeah. So there's definitely supply chain issues with the iPad. And
0: yeah, exactly.
1: Also, you just look at there's not really been a new iPad the base model iPad that was launched in the fall, the iPad Air got a refresh, right? but it's not really like huge, huge iPad release. I think when we see the next iPad Pro, possibly this summer, more likely in the fall or even early next year, then we we'll probably see that change.
0: Yeah, I have the 2019 iPad Pro 11-inch, and I'm definitely going to be upgrading that when the new one is announced. Yeah, But we'll see where that goes. And yes, I do expect it in the fall. The other thing that I wanted to mention that just jumped out at me was, okay, two things. Services, again, up in double digits, 17% growth from the year-ago quarter. That's incredible. And then the second thing is that wearables, just wearables. Now, let's think about how many things Apple counts as wearables. Mm -hmm. But it's mostly the Apple Watch.
1: Are AirPods considered wearables?
0: Yes. It's AirPods and Apple Watches, and that's it, pretty much.
1: Right. Which AirPods 3, still recent-ish. Yeah. And I think those are pretty popular. Yeah.
0: But those, if you count wearables as its own company, it's a Fortune 100 company.
1: Apple's numbers, they're the only company where you really like, it just warps all ideas you have of what companies should be making or how comparatively what other companies make. It's just so crazy the amount of money coming into that company. So, yeah, you can do crazy comparisons.
0: Yeah. There's been an article in several business magazines going, well, you know, that law of big numbers that we always talk about here in the stock world? Yes.
1: It seems not to be working. Right. Exactly.
0: For those of you who may not know, the law of big numbers says that when a company achieves a certain size, Growth slows because they just can't suck up all the money in the world.
1: And Apple is out to prove them wrong. I know. And that's why it's interesting, whether it's the mixed VR, AR headset or even a car. I mean, who knows? But Apple, if they want to continue this growth, like all businesses, have to go into other areas, other industries. So it will be very interesting in the next few years. I also think while the Apple Watch is big, once the Apple Watch can do certain health features like blood glucose and blood pressure, which is still several years out, but when they can, there'll be a huge super cycle of new users clamoring for an Apple Watch when it can do those things.
0: Oh, yeah. A giant super cycle, especially if they can get to that point, then a lot of governments around the world would subsidize these things.
1: Yeah. Health insurance companies, everything.
0: Yeah. Health insurance companies and so on. It is so much cheaper to be preventative Than reactive in healthcare. Absolutely. The other thing I thought this kind of amusing was so Apple made about $97 billion and then promptly turned around and authorized another $90 billion in share repurchases. (laughs) Oh, we made that much money? Okay, we're going to devote this entire quarter's money to buying back our own stock.
1: (laughs) Right. Yeah.
0: I think there's a secret plan to go private. (laughs) <laughs> it's a
1: 20 year plan it's Yeah, not... it, would, it would be decades long iPhone 30 yeah. territory, I don't know
0: Right, but yeah, they have bought back An awful lot of shares But of course they have a lot of shares outstanding You will never guess But I will just summarize all of the questions From the analysts, they were stupid <laughs> there. That was easy.
1: Yeah. It always amazes me because I actually held off publishing the Apple Insider podcast until after the numbers were released. And I have that moment of like, do I wait for the call to be totally over, which could be up to an hour after the numbers are released? Yeah. Because just in case something comes out of the q and
0: I've noticed that under Cook, it gets shorter and shorter, though, because he also thinks these are really stupid questions. It's always either can you tell us why you didn't make more money or can you tell us what you're about to release? And the answer to both is no.
1: Yeah. And like most of his answers this time was just like working to get products shipped faster. Supply chain is difficult. Like that's the answer to everything.
0: <laughs> so. You're correct. That was exactly his answer for most of the questions was we're working hard to try and get these products because there is wait times on some things, So we're trying hard to get those wait times cut down. Right. This seems to have come as news to a lot of the stock analysts who have promptly now downrated Apple's stock because they're worried, and rightly to some extent, but they're worried that the next three months won't be as stellar on shipping and delivery. They won't be able to sell as many products. Well, first of all, the next quarter is traditionally a slower quarter. That's perfectly normal. Mm -hmm. And then secondly, yeah, there's been some lockdowns in China and things like that that are affecting production. So, yeah, Apple may not do quite as well as you might think they were going to do. Right for a year-over-year revenue growth. But I guarantee you they're going to grow revenue. For sure. Because the things that are really driving revenue right now that aren't called iPhone are called services and wearables, and they don't seem to be having any trouble with those. <laughs> right. Particularly service.
1: And services can be sold hardware or not. Yeah. Current hardware, whether you have iPhone, Apple TV, iPad, whatever it is, services revenue is totally unlimited, not dependent on supply chain. And if that's what they're growing, then yeah. analysts will love that.
0: The other thing that we've picked up on is this is the seventh quarter in a row that Mac sales were enormous. The last seven quarters are the best seven quarters in the entire history of the Mac. Yeah. It is doing really
1: well. Apple Silicon.
0: In fact, so well that the entire rest of the industry cannot keep up with it. Overall, according to Counterpoint Research, PC industry is down 4.3%. Apple is up 8%. Yeah. On the strength of, well, they have a complete M1 line, but we're not even at the M1 Pro and Ultra in most of those models.
1: Yeah. And I think once we get a redesigned MacBook Air, that's going to be a huge seller. Huge. Huge. I mean, the M1 MacBook Air was popular. And obviously that started these incredible quarters of growth, that first M1 lineup. Yeah. But once you get a redesigned body style, which usually instigates... I'm
0: not too keen on the redesigned body style. I think the MacBook Air's design is distinctive and
1: perfect the way
0: it is. but
1: Yeah, but if you put some colors on that MacBook Air, you're going to get a lot yes. of young people going towards the MacBook
0: Air. iMac colors, go. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Absolutely. Exactly. I agree with that. But I, I like that wedge design very much. And I'll be sorry to see if it looks just like a MacBook Pro, you know, that kind of slab design. Yeah. But eh, I have no say over this. <laughs> so I don't know why I'm even talking about it. But I like uh, the MacBook Air is an amazing Machine, Yeah. And the M1 MacBook Air apparently blows people away who've owned nothing but MacBook Airs previously with its battery life. Right. I'm like, hello. But the people who tend to work Macs harder than that, the MacBook Pro people, for example, Mac Studio people, for example, are like, well, yeah, the battery life's better, but you're going a little nuts on that. But it does. For light-duty users, the battery life on the Mac, the M1 MacBook Air is amazing.
1: Oh, yeah. It's awesome. I mean, and I have an M1 Pro, MacBook Pro. And even that, there's been some conflicting reports on battery, but it's been incredible for me. Yeah. Just total world of difference with Apple Silicon.
0: Yeah. I still get, well, you're talking to the wrong guy over here. I get a day and a half out of my Apple Watch Series 3. What? What? your watch? Yeah, out of my watch. If it's 100% charged, I can wear it all day. I usually do charge it overnight, but I don't have to.
1: Do you do raise to wake? No. You just tap it, right? I tap
0: on it. So that probably helps.
1: That makes a huge difference. And I tell people with older Apple Watches, turn off the raise to wake and you will significantly increase your battery life. Because I even noticed when I would drive, if I had raise to wake on my Apple Watch, it would be turning on all the time, just as I was like.
0: Right, because you're always turning the steering wheel.
1: Yeah, exactly. So yeah, turning off Raise to Wake will definitely help a lot. You can get some longevity.
0: Absolutely. Also, I don't have, uh, because of my HomePods that are right behind me, Uh, (laughs) I also don't have Hey, You Know Who turned on on the
1: watch. Okay. Yeah. It's not listening. Yeah.
0: yeah. Anyway, so Apple did well. Oh, there's a shock. (laughs) But let's pick another one of the Fang stocks and compare that. How did Amazon do? Oh, (laughs) Amazon stopped making profits for a change. Now, this is a company that spent almost two decades not making any profit until they finally started making profits. But this quarter, they reported a loss of $3.8 billion, and shareholders lost their minds.
1: Ooh, that's a lot of money. But supply chain, they have the AWS services and that is a large source of revenue. But obviously, shipping physical products is a massive part of their business and supply chain is going to affect all of that. Yeah. And when it comes to service services. Amazon Prime Video is kind of like.
0: It's very much a lost leader, I think. It is. You have Prime, you get all this other stuff with Prime. So it enhances the value of Prime. But I don't know, it probably should be spun off and not spun off from Amazon, but spun off as it. you could pay for the Amazon Prime alone if you want.
1: Right. Well, you know, they purchased MGM, which is going to bring some back catalog
0: that if anything gets me to sign up for Prime, that's probably it.
1: Yeah. And the Lord of the Rings original series. Right. I'm definitely going to watch it. There's some like hardcore Lord of the Rings fans that are like super skeptical and going to be watching very closely. So Amazon better not. Screw that up (laughs) because I can have a lot of mad fans. I got two
0: words for you, Amazon, with the Lord of the Rings. Tom Bombadil. (laughs) Get him in
1: there. So Amazon probably needs to focus on that services business cuz even with their Amazon assistant I won't say the name so it doesn't set off all the speakers but there's probably more services that could be a thing in Amazon's ecosystem but it's just not there they just don't have a lot of them
0: The other thing was that last year at this same time they made an 8.1 billion dollar profit mm-hmm. and they're blaming a lot of this from their investment in Rivian Automotive
1: <laughs> oh, man
0: Um, No, you have other problems. Yes. But yeah, Rivian probably was one of them. Sure. I'll go with that. But anyway, that's just to give you an idea of how one of the other titans of industry is doing. Mm.
1: Yeah. Rivian is a sad story, too. I mean, such promise and very exciting. And then, I don't know, they're just not handling it right. You know, the whole raising prices on people that already pre-ordered. Like, not good. Not good. Don't do that.
0: Apple did finally announce, after a year of complete silence, yes. <laughs> suddenly, boom, it's here. You can repair your
1: own iPhone. Or can you... Well, (laughs) that's up to you. Uh, Know thyself and whether or not you can. Yeah,
0: you need to know yourself really well. (laughs) Let me put it this way. I am a former Apple tech. Mike is a former Apple tech. We both took apart Macs very happily in the pre-iPhone days and knew our way around these machines pretty well. Not only could I not pass the test as an Apple tech today, most likely, because it includes the iPhone and iPad that I almost never had to work on, but today's iPhones and iPads are of such complexity Mm -hmm. that I, a former certified Apple tech, would not feel comfortable doing. And I hang around with the guys who do some of the shops around here that do these repairs and have the Apple tools. I hang around with them and I watch them work.
1: I've done, I've taken apart a lot of Macs. Peeling off an iMac screen, I think, is the farthest I'm going to go. I've never attempted to disassemble an iPhone or an iPad. And honestly, I just have no desire to. Yeah. And looking at the prices of these self-repair stuff directly from Apple, I'm just going to pay for Apple Care. Like, I think it's a much better deal. and It's a
0: much better deal, yeah. particularly on something simple like, because a lot of people are thinking, well, I could probably swap out my own battery. Yes, you can. I guarantee you it will cost you more, not even counting your time. It will cost you more than just taking it to a shop. Yeah. Just take it to a shop. Unless you are very skilled or you think of yourself as very skilled. But remember one thing, if Apple screws up your repair, they'll cover it. (laughs) You may even get a new thing out of
1: it. Yeah. You
0: screw up your repair. Oh, you are in such trouble.
1: It's (laughs) over. And, you know, I actually don't know the answer to this. I didn't mention this on the Apple Insider podcast, but maybe one of the benefits of having the self-repair program is that if you do self-repair and it goes well, let's say you replace your own iPhone battery, everything's working fine, but then you drop it and the screen breaks. That device, I imagine, will still be under whatever warranty that Apple has for that device, as opposed to before, where if you try to mess with anything in your device, the warranty was immediately voided. So
0: that's a good question. Yeah, we should look into that.
1: Yeah. So that might be one of the benefits.
0: I suspect you're right.
1: Yeah. Now, I don't know if if you bring it to a third party repair place and they repair it, but you didn't get the stuff directly from Apple. Probably not. You know, I imagine Apple will be like, nah, those aren't Apple parts.
0: No. So. Yeah. Nope. Still messy. messy. Have to use Apple parts and tools. Yeah, exactly. And that's the other thing about this program of you can rent the tools that you need and you can buy the bundle of parts that you need. Those two costs by themselves are going to be more than this is probably worth unless you really screwed up your phone. (laughs) And currently, this is only available for the phone and only available for the phones that Apple currently sells. Correct. So the 12, the 13 and the SE. Mm -hmm. But if you get the tools, there's a hold on your credit card to the tune of 1200 bucks until you return those tools. And that's if you're renting them. Now, some people will just go out and buy them and that's okay, (laughs) okay, because they think they're going to be good enough at this that they might be able to start their own store. And this would be a great start, I guess. But then you're going to have to go into another program after that. But anyway, bottom line is if your time is worthless, but your skills are high, this repair program might be for you. (laughs) (laughs) And this is the thing that kills me, is this is what the right of repair people kept fighting for. They've spent years talking about this and other products that needed to be repaired. And they wanted it, wanted it, wanted it. And they finally have it without legislation, although admittedly with the pressure of legislation. (laughs) They finally have it. And now all they're doing is whining about it. Yeah. (laughs) Because the tools are expensive. Yeah, the tools are expensive. If you buy the tools, it comes in an 80-pound case with wheels. And Apple is throwing the wheels in for free on this one,
1: people. That's right. Well, they're rented wheels, but yes, they are included. <laughs>
0: they are. Re- well, if you're renting them, yeah, you're, re- you're just renting the wheels. Yeah. And the rental charge is quite reasonable, but you only have seven days to get it back to them. Yeah, that's,
1: that's a lot of pressure. I mean, I don't like dealing with having to ship stuff back. And a lot of pressure. Like I get a little antsy if I do a trade-in with Apple and I'm mailed away like a MacBook Pro. I want to make sure that thing gets there. But to have also a $1,200 hold on your credit card until these flight cases that are £80, gets back to Apple. I just don't want to deal with that stress. Yeah. <laughs> I don't to do that. Now, to be
0: fair, you get a rebate on once right. you send in the broken parts. Yeah. You get a small rebate on that, but it's, again, only if your time is worthless and your skills are high. Right. Otherwise, it is far cheaper. In some cases, even when it's out of warranty, take it to an Apple store, especially given the thing that we're not talking about, which is the risk You take in some of these tools, and I've seen it happen, it is super easy to puncture the battery. Oh, yeah. It is super easy to damage the screen. Oh, yeah. And then what are you going to do? Yeah. Because you were repairing one thing and you broke something else. Ah,
1: yeah. I'm curious if we'll see like businesses or schools. I think schools, especially, yeah. especially ones where there's like an iPad one-to-one. Well, although iPad's not even part of the program yet, so not yet. Yeah, no. I don't know if when it does become part of the program, if maybe a school will say, okay, you know, we have an IT team. We're going to invest in the tools to fix our own iPads, so we don't have to send them away and they can be fixed faster. You know, maybe it would be beneficial for an organization like that. But I feel like individually, I'm still just going to buy Apple Care. Like I'm not. I'm not, I'm not doing this. Now, I don't
0: want to sound totally down on this because, again, some people are very skilled with tools and especially working with the very small tools. Oh, yeah. Wesley Hilliard over at Apple Insider did an excellent article comparing specific repairs and how much it would cost. For example, if you need to replace the bottom speaker of an out of warranty, I don't see how it could be out of warranty yet, but let's say... (laughs) I don't know. You had an out of warranty iPhone 13. You damaged the bottom speaker. And you need to replace it. If it's out of warranty, it costs 450 bucks.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, you can do that cheaper. <laughs> Even renting the tools and all that stuff, you can do that cheaper. Apple Care Plus customers, though, only pay $99, whereas you, highly skilled guy, renting the tools and all that, would be paying a net cost of $92. Oh, you saved seven bucks. Good job, you. <laughs> Is it worth it? No.
1: Right. Like your time is probably worth more than $7 an hour, whatever
0: you're doing. It's going to take you more than an hour, too, because you haven't done this before.
1: Well, that's a good point. That's a good point. And doing it your first time, like I said on the Apple Insider Podcast, I messed up a lot of first-time repairs. You have to get good at it before you're good at it. (laughs) So there's a high, high risk of something going wrong that first time.
0: Yeah. And also, I might add that chances are very, very good, regardless if you live in anything smaller than a hamlet, you probably have a place in town called "You Break, I Fix" or something like yeah,
1: that. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: One of these third-party out-of-warranty sites who aren't going to charge you four hundred and forty-nine dollars, way Apple will, to say replace the iPhone's camera, and they're also probably not going to replace it with an Apple camera. But hey, you got an old phone It's completely out of warranty. You don't feel like doing the repair, or even if you do, this program isn't worth it compared to taking it to Joe's iPhone repair.
1: Exactly. Trust Joe. He's been doing it for years, okay? Yeah. He got you.
0: Now there is, by the way, and you guys didn't mention this, as far as I know, on the podcast, but you overlooked a really, really cheap, inexpensive repair. Oh boy, yeah, you did. What's that? If you lost your SIM tray, you can buy one for seven dollars <laughs> and <laughs> twenty cents.
1: I don't know how you would lose a SIM tray, but also I think it, maybe it was Wes who tweeted. Curious who's going to just buy a different colored SIM tray just yeah. for the heck of it to get a different color on the outside.
0: Yeah, making a fashion statement.
1: Yeah, fashion statement. But yeah, hey, seven dollars for a SIM tray. That's that's a bargain. Single digit.
0: Even more reasonable, the sim eject tool,
1: four bucks. Amazing. Four bucks. Four bucks.
0: Yes. This is from the company that charges you twenty dollars for a cleaning cloth.
1: Listen, I have that cleaning cloth and I'll be honest, it's not the best. That might be controversial.
0: Yeah, right. It's not even that good.
1: It's not that good. But paper clips are pretty cheap. If you need to eject that sim tray thing, just, just get a paper clip. You don't gotta buy it. The SIM ejector
0: tool. Well, it's an Apple SIM ejector tool. Mm, That's way better than any paperclip.
1: (laughs) There's not even an Apple logo on that thing. I'm not paying for it.
0: Right. (laughs) Yeah, not paying better than retail for
1: it. No. That's right.
0: In other Apple news, GeForce Now has updated their cloud gaming service. I can't believe I'm talking about gaming news. This is so rare on this podcast. (laughs) But GeForce Now has updated their cloud gaming service for native support for Apple Silicon Macs. Yes. All right. It was Rosetta 2, but I think somebody at GeForce got the memo from Apple, which hasn't been made public yet, but is going to be made public next month, that Rosetta 2 has an end of life date. I don't know what that date is, Mm. but that will, I guarantee you, be announced at this next WWDC. And developers, I guarantee you're going to
1: panic. (laughs) Well, yeah. It's good to see, though, because NVIDIA and Apple has had a contested relationship in the past. That's why you see all the AMD GPUs and things like the Mac Pro. Right. So. Nice to know that NVIDIA is putting in the effort supporting Apple Silicon, especially now that you got like the M1 Ultra chip out there that could take advantage of these kinds of games.
0: Yeah, exactly. Game Loft has announced a new adventure game featuring Disney and Pixar characters that will be free to play on the Mac called Disney Dreamlight Valley. Hmm. This sounds like Stardew Valley to me.
1: Right,
0: <laughs> right. But with Disney and Pixar characters. All right. sure. Why not? Sure. Your kids will love it.
1: Yeah. And, you know, my kids have been liking Apple Arcade games, but now this is not arcade. This is...
0: I love Apple Arcade.
1: Apple Arcade games are great. I've been doing all the Alto's Adventures and Odyssey's and Lost Cities and all of them. Very good.
0: Yeah. I like those things. Although I keep coming back to what I'm going to call Marble Shooters or Match 3s because I'm preparing to be a little old man. (laughs) So (laughs) I need those titles. Sure. But I am totally loving Galaga for example. Yeah, there you go. Now, I just told you about this, but it's a Mac game. Right, right. (laughs) And outside of Apple Arcade, this is unusual. It will also be on the PC and PlayStations, Xboxes and Nintendo Switches.
1: What's unfortunate is that it wouldn't be on the Apple TV right. because maybe a WWDC will see something. But I really hope Apple makes a move to position the Apple TV because my kids have gamed on it. Like they'll do Sneaky Sasquatch. And also they have some adventure games. I don't know if it's Oceanhorn or something like that.
0: Mm. Sneaky Sasquatch is also a great title.
1: It's a great title and it would be great to, I don't know, elevate the Apple TV. And like games like this, I think Apple would hopefully be able to influence Gameloft and say, hey, why don't you also release that for the Apple TV? Not just the Mac. I don't know of all of Apple's devices. I feel like that's the least likely to actually get played by a kid. Yeah. <laughs> you know? yeah. They'll have an iPad. They'll have access to an Apple TV in the living room. Probably not a Mac.
0: I feel like there's more than enough engineering room in there. I'm not saying they should bring out a new model, but there's more than enough engineering room inside that powerful chip in the latest Apple TV to have a total console mode and just switch to console
1: mode. Yeah, I don't think Apple will ever do this, but for Apple to make a legit game controller, because I have the Nimbus controllers. They're okay. I've had a couple break after a year or so. Yeah. And I'm actually playing around with a backbone controller, which is actually something you put your iPhone in. It actually like connects via the lightning port. Right. It's good hardware. But Apple would also need to kind of coax some accessory makers to say, let's make some actual like game stuff for this thing and like services that again would be a huge opportunity for Apple to say, we're really going to make this a gaming option. For kids now.
0: An Apple console controller just needs to be exactly like, say, an Xbox or PlayStation controller, but with a Siri button.
1: <laughs> right. Which, yeah. and you know, now that you said that, I think... Give me a beer. Boom. <laughs> correct me if I'm wrong, but I think you can use PlayStation 5 controllers and the Xbox One with an Apple TV.
0: Yes. While we're talking about games, I'll just mention that Diablo Immortal is coming, a new title in the series, mm-hmm. from Blizzard for iOS and Android. <laughs> That one, I remember playing the first one very fondly, and I've tried to play the second and third and just never gotten through them, so I probably won't be able to finish this one either.
1: But it's cool. It's coming.
0: But I'll give it a try.
1: Speaking of Blizzard, the maker of this game, did you ever play StarCraft back in the day? Yes. I loved StarCraft. Yeah. I was playing that on a dial-up internet connection. Yeah. Oh, the pain. (laughs) The call comes through, and the game disconnects, and Battle.net just crashes.
0: That's a story you can tell your kids around a campfire, and and we
1: had to use (laughs) dial-up. I was... Get to the game. I was trying to describe to my son who's about to turn 13 what a floppy disk is. Not the the three and a half inch, but, you know, the big ones. And I I asked him, have you ever played Oregon Trail? And he was like, yeah, I think you can get that in Apple Arcade or something. And I was like,
0: I've been playing it on Apple Arcade.
1: Right, exactly. I was like, no, no, no. You got to play like the green outline version on a floppy, floppy disk. I don't even know if you can get that anymore, but I'm going to look for it. I want to get that.
0: Yeah. Just a word of caution there when you're talking about that with your kids. Floppy disk now has some new meanings thanks to Urban Dictionary.
1: Oh, really? (laughs) Oh, I had no no idea. (laughs) Just in case. Oh, goodness.
0: (laughs) Uh, And while we're on the subject, Microsoft has also updated one of their programs for Apple Silicon natively, finally, Microsoft Teams. So if you're having to use it or using it willingly, (laughs) it's off Rosetta 2 and it's on Apple Silicon.
1: Huzzah. (sighs) Charles, I'll be honest, I do everything physically possible to not install Microsoft Teams on my Mac. I do actually have to use the Microsoft suite for one of my jobs, but I access everything in the web browser and it's not as good of an experience, but I don't care. I just don't want Microsoft Teams on my Mac.
0: Like a lot of Microsoft products, there's nothing wrong per se with Teams. You can go, oh, that's clearly very wrong. It's just... You know,
1: it's the definition of meh. It's just meh. 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 I don't meh. deal That's with that. That's the word.
0: No. Let's turn to a rumor. There's been some photos of alleged display models for the iPhone 14 lineup. And apparently the plebeians who are getting the cheaper models are going to get the notch. And the people who are paying the big bucks get a pill and hole cut out. That sounds backwards to me. But I just cannot Damn that pill and all cut out. I'm desperately hoping that Apple will just hide that behind a notch. Please. I mean, that is essentially what is hiding underneath the notch right now. Right. Just a slightly larger pill.
1: I'm very curious what Apple does with that tiny, tiny bit of screen. Yeah. Because right now you still got Wi-Fi battery shoved over on the right. You got your carrier cellular on the left. I mean, you can't really put anything above that pill and hole punch. So it's just going to be like a status bar straight across. Like, on top of that? Kind of. I'm very curious how they address that.
0: Yeah. I mean, it wouldn't be the end of the world or anything. This is definitely first world problems, but I just... uh, That pill and the hole punch is not symmetrical. No. Uh, I will just wait... Maybe I'm more OCD than I
1: realize. (laughs) Although, I will be excited for the Baymax Big Hero 6 wallpapers that make the hole punch look like one of Baymax's eyes or something.
0: Oh, now that's a clever
1: idea. I'll be down for that.
0: That would be okay with me. Yeah. (laughs) In other tech news... Qualcomm says, we're gonna come get you, Apple. We're coming up with our own Nuvia ARM processors. That's Nuvia, the company that is all former Apple employees who probably stole a lot of technology from Apple when they left. Those guys. (laughs) We're going to work with Nuvia to make ARM processors, and they're going to beat your M1 in 2023.
1: (laughs) Right, exactly. Next year.
0: Yeah, late 2023 at that. Now, this is better than Intel is claiming.
1: Yeah, that is true.
0: (laughs) But yeah, uh, yeah, hmm. Also, if you don't think that Apple's going to take apart that Nuvia chip, the fine tooth comb, and take Qualcomm to court over it, oh yeah, you have another thing coming. Because I guarantee you, the only way that Qualcomm can do this this fast is by hiring Apple engineers who have proprietary knowledge that they mustn't take with them and have taken with them.
1: I'm curious how long Apple will be in the lead when it comes to silicon. I mean, it might be for a long, long time.
0: If Intel was the only company that existed, it would be a very long time. But
1: I know AMD is probably the other high competitor. They're chips and all that kind of stuff.
0: Yeah, they're doing a good job. Yeah, Yeah,
1: but Apple has such a lead and just the, the entire integration.
0: And we're going to talk about a particular kind of lead that Apple has that nobody's going to be able to touch for quite a while. Right. Right. Thanks to that amazing interconnect that the Ultra Chip
1: uses. That's right. So, That's right.
0: Anyway, before we get to that, though, I would like to get Stephen's take on Elon Musk and Twitter. Now, the way the press reports it, it's as though it was a done deal. It is not and could fall apart. But what do you think? Is it a good move or a bad move?
1: This is so tough. That's funny. We rarely get emails from listeners about, hey, Didn't like what you said on the Apple Insider podcast. We try to keep it pretty non-political. And I didn't think we got too political when we mentioned it. But Wes talked about Elon Musk.
0: It's like saying the word Trump, though. Musk is the same way. He's a red hot potato. And just saying that word.
1: Right. Brings out opinions. But I will say it's clear Twitter had not figured out how to be profitable for a long time. When it comes to being a business, Twitter is... Like last in the pack of social networks, you know, Facebook, which is also Instagram and WhatsApp.
0: Despite having a very similar you know, user count to the big
1: ones. Well, I think it's what, like 200 something million users compared to Facebook's billion, you know. Yeah. But significant.
0: Right. But I'm talking okay. about let everybody not named. Facebook. Right. Seems to be somewhere in that 200, 500 million user area.
1: And so one of the things is, you know, Twitter's been around just almost as long as Facebook. I mean, it came out a few years afterwards, but still, I mean, it's been around since 2007, as long as the iPhone. So Twitter has had a long, long time to grow numerically and to become profitable. And it just has not. It is not successful in that way. Not successful in onboarding. You know, I actually talked to someone the other day and they were like, yeah, I tried Twitter a few years ago, but it was kind of confusing and I didn't really see things cared for. And it's like, okay. well, if that's someone's first experience with a social network, they're not going to keep using it. And so they have a lot of issues behind the scenes. Now, those are issues. I don't know if Elon Musk is qualified to fix. He has experiences in electric cars in space, not social networks, nor in content moderation, which is the other challenge.
0: Yeah, the EU's already stepped in and said, oh, no, you're not going to get rid of moderation policies. No, no, no.
1: Right, which again, like, there at least has to be a base level of spam can't live on the platform, you know, there's right. so and bots, which Elon Musk did say he's going to eliminate bots. Well, that is content yeah. moderation like that. So you're you're going to be doing it in some capacity.
0: Yeah, you're right. That is moderation in some fashion. Yeah. And now that particular policy idea is one that I approve of. But he's He says a lot of stuff.
1: He says a lot of stuff. And so, again, I'm not sure his ability to change the user experience or better the platform for users, though he has made companies profitable. Tesla, until he announced this Twitter deal,
0: <laughs> was doing good as a stock. Yeah, they lost over $100 billion of
1: work. Yeah, well, I mean, because Elon Musk going to have to sell a bunch of shares to buy Twitter. So, But up until then, like, again, you compare it to Rivian, Tesla is very successful compared to these other electric car companies true, because true. they make cars that people want.
0: And there's a lot of stuff that Elon Musk is behind in one way or another, projects like SpaceX and so
1: on that I'm rooting for. Correct. So I am bullish that he will somehow or another figure out how to make it profitable, maybe. (laughs) But profitable is not necessarily equals a good experience. Facebook is very profitable, but most of the people in our circles of the tech space hate it for all the privacy reasons.
0: Yeah, we hate it. We would not be on it if we didn't have to promote the podcast.
1: Yeah. And also like there's some people that like John Gruber and some of those guys, they're like never had a Facebook account. They use Instagram, which Facebook was probably one of the best purchases they could have ever made that and WhatsApp. So they have products that people like. And I think that's the bigger problem for Twitter, like people need to like it. And I don't know. I don't know if Elon Musk can make the changes for people to like the platform, which translates to profitability.
0: Yeah. Some of the tweets that Elon has made since this all came out have been kind of funny and self-deprecating. And I always like it when that happens. But yes, also some of the things like his idea of what free speech is are Odd, but I do have one piece of advice, but not for him, for Jack Dorsey. And that is you need to sit down and shut up <laughs> because when this happened, he was very down on it and said that the whole problem with Twitter is that it's a public company and it's run by the board of directors. Yeah. Um, whose idea was that, Jack Dorsey? Who took them public? Huh, what a fool. <laughs> and then then I guess his lawyer told him that because he has a founder stake in Twitter, He will make close to a billion dollars if this deal goes through. And suddenly, Jack's much higher on Elon Musk than he was.
1: (laughs) Much, (laughs) much, much happier. Well, and also the premise that a board-run company can't be successful for a social network, I think, is a faulty premise. You look at, again, Facebook, Instagram, all that.
0: Maybe not under Jack Dorsey, but we'll see. Right. Well,
1: Facebook, all that publicly traded. Google, YouTube is a very popular social network. And that's, again, publicly traded. So taking it private, I don't know if it's going to fix anything inherently, but... We'll see.
0: Well, the problem, I feel, is that Mr. Musk thinks that taking it private will mean he doesn't have to answer to anybody because he's not good at that. Witness his relationship with the SEC. And that's just not the case. That's just not
1: true. Right. Because he's ultimately going to have to answer to the users. Yeah. (laughs) You know.
0: Well, them as well. But also, literally, there are laws about uh, you just can't start a completely unmoderated platform. Yeah. So. Yeah, you know,
1: she's in for a challenge. We'll see how it go, how he does.
0: He's a clever guy in some ways, seemingly quite naive about some things like SEC law and so on. But again, the deal could fall apart. And indeed, there's been some moves that he's made that look like he's, oh, no, I'm very serious. This is going through. There's some other moves that he's made to cover his butt if something falls apart. For example, just as a quick example, one of the conditions of this deal is that Musk can't speak negatively about Twitter while this process is going on.
1: Guess what he's done? Yeah, he's done some tweeting, that's for sure. Yeah. See,
0: he doesn't like following rules. I don't know if Steve has had a chance to see it, but I saw it on Apple Insider, but it actually comes from Atlas VPN. They issued a report talking about how much malware is out there. That's right. This is a favorite topic of Alan Perry and I. It turns out All right. Sit down. First of all, 34 million new malware types, mostly derivatives of main core things, but still variants. 34 million new malware variants have been discovered to date just this year. Wow. Wow. That's amazing. Now, of course, the vast majority of them are against Windows. Yep. Which always stuns me. I mean, I'm sure those numbers have improved, but Windows default security isn't bad. And when you add malware bytes to it, it's quite strong. So why? And I can only guess it's because not enough people know about malware bytes. And I'm not trying to be an ad here, but it's the only anti-malware program I've found that doesn't suck.
1: (laughs) think of all these servers running Windows of large organizations, I think the pure benefit of something working to actually crack into one of these large companies and get money or steal something, I think it's just the far greater chance of benefit that so many hackers will target Windows. You know, there's just... I mean, macOS server just got shut down this past week. Right. So no one's running a Mac server. But when you look at all the companies in the world, everything's going to run Linux or Windows and most likely Windows.
0: Yeah. But the numbers are just astonishing. 316,000 new malware threats every day on average. But 5.65 million this month. Well, we're in May now, so last month.
1: Right, right.
0: So how does that break down? Well, I don't have all the figures because Apple doesn't release anything like the count of vulnerabilities or exploits on iOS. But you can assume it's quite low by comparison. But I can compare directly Windows and Mac. This is talking about just this year, new malware threats. Windows has seen 25.48 million new malware samples, and Mac has seen 2,000.
1: Yeah, amazing.
0: Let's run those numbers again. (laughs) 25.48 million (laughs) for Windows. (laughs) Mac, 2,000.
1: One, two, three. You got to add at least four (laughs) zeros, I think. Right? To get up there. That's amazing.
0: And just for a side comparison, a little over half a million never-before-seen Android malware samples have been discovered this year. But again, I don't have iOS figures, so that's kind of an unfair compare. But even Android, the day that this comes out of my mouth, Android seems to be more resistant to malware than Windows. That is something. Wow. Wow. (laughs) Yes. It's a weird world we live in. And last in this section, I wanted to mention that a scammer named Jasminder Singh has been convicted by a Brooklyn, New York jury of bank fraud and money laundering against American Express. But the reason I'm mentioning this is because what he did was he set up a bunch of businesses, got Amex cards for them, ran up more than $4.7 million buying iPhones, sold those iPhones... And then told Amex, I can't pay the bill because I bought a house with it and a whole bunch of other things. Mm. But yeah, he'd set up new businesses and get new cards and so on and so forth. And apparently he thought this was going to go on forever. All he would do is use like offshore banks to hide the fact that he had turned around and made money reselling those iPhones. So he can kiss goodbye to his $1.3 million home in Fremont, California that he bought with
1: cash. Oh my goodness.
0: I'm bringing a suitcase to this house showing. His co-conspirator, Mandeep Singh, is already in jail and is waiting sentencing. So, yeah, he's going away for quite a while. I
1: can't imagine. It says that he purchased a majority of these iPhones at physical Apple stores.
0: Yes. In fact, just like two of them. Wouldn't you think that they would go, hey, that guy's in here again?
1: (laughs) Why is he buying literally hundreds of iPhones? Why?
0: Yes, that doesn't seem suspicious at all. Wow. But the blame goes on the criminal, obviously. But secondly, Amex, don't give people $5 million worth of credit cards when they haven't paid their bill yet. Wow. Maybe maybe do that. Maybe try that idea.
1: (laughs) That's crazy.
0: And speaking of some blame to go around, Apple Card is bringing back a promotion, which is a good thing. Now, again, this only affects people in the U.S., but if you refer one of your friends to get an Apple Card and they do get an Apple Card, they get $75 in free daily cash. Mm -hmm. Hurrah! Uh This runs through May 10th and requires you, that new Apple Card customer, to make a purchase on their cards within 30 days, and they'll get free $75 in daily cash, in addition to the 3% or whatever it is they're normally going to get. Now, what do you get for having referred that guy? You get Zippo. You get nothing.
1: (laughs) Wow. What? Yeah, I mean, usually. Apple? What are you doing? Usually referrals work the other way. I mean, the person referring.
0: Gets the money.
1: Yeah, Yeah. gets some credit. Yeah. That's interesting.
0: That's just bizarre.
1: That is strange.
0: Until you remember that this is actually run by Goldman Sachs.
1: (laughs) Oh, that's right. That's right.
0: Good point. Oh, well. And that can't be right. I think this story could be being misunderstood. A lot of developers are complaining that Apple has sent out a letter that was rather brusque that says, if you haven't updated your app in years, we might remove it in the next 30 days. So you need to do an update. But I think that what Apple means by update hasn't been clarified well enough. I suspect that what they mean is that because you haven't updated this app in years, even though it still works fine, Because you haven't updated it in years, you're not taking advantage of some of the technologies that we want to take. But more importantly, you haven't put a privacy warning in
1: there. Oh, right.
0: Because that would count as an update. Yes. So I think that if you just update what data does this app collect? Nothing. Okay. That's an update. And so now you're back.
1: Right, just put some release notes in there and just say that's what you did. So yeah. I understand, you know, it, it's annoying if it's just been in there for years and it's fine, but yeah, the privacy labels are, are a big thing. I mean, Google's doing them now as well, so I think developers just have to they just got to do it.
0: Well, this is the thing, right? So a lot of developers aren't developing anymore. They put their thing in the App Store, it made their money. There might be a small trickle of stuff still coming in or maybe the thing was free from the get-go. Right. And so they have very little incentive to update this thing as long as it still works. That is true. Yeah.
1: But you would still want it out there. I mean, it's the thing you made as a developer. You're proud of a game you have out there. If people are still downloading it, even more so, it's like, leave it in there. So I get it. I get the consternation.
0: One of the reasons I keep around this 2012 MacBook Pro that I have is because there's some old games on it that are totally awesome that I enjoy playing. And finally, I was playing one of them on here. And the fans run pretty hard on this old 2012 when you play a game on it. Um, <laughs> sure. And I was like, God, I wonder if they ever managed to port this over to iOS. And of course they're all there.
1: Wow. Drr. Okay.
0: And they're cheap. They're outright purchases like four and five dollars for Games like Luxor, Luxor 2, Zuma,
1: these are all there. Oh.
0: But now you play them on an iPad, which is totally silent.
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly. No fan. You don't gotta worry about a fan in no the iPad. fan.
0: I like that. I wonder if they have Tiki Golf. Oh, now I got to look for that. (laughs) Anyway, so developers, I don't think you have to do much to update it. But if you really, really, really are dead set against updating the app because it works, keep complaining. Maybe Apple will modify the terms and whatnot. But I think really what they're looking for is for you to put up a privacy policy.
1: Right. Correct.
0: And that might be enough. Facebook.
1: We talked about them before. Oh, God.
0: (laughs) I'm just going to read you the first paragraph of the Apple Insider article because it sums it up so beautifully. Good job, Daryl Boxberg. Facebook privacy engineers warn that the company would have a hard time committing to forthcoming privacy laws as it largely has no idea how its system uses the data it collects.
1: Oh, my God. It's Skynet. It's It's doing it on its own.
0: Oh, no! What they actually mean by this is that they collect everything that they can possibly get on their own system. That's a giant hoover of personal data. And then secondly, they also buy more data about you from third party sources, data brokers and so on. And because they have an open border system, apparently, they just consolidate all that data into a giant pool. And at present, they cannot tell, well, this came from a third party source and this came from us. So this would make committing to any policy changes nearly impossible. Their own engineers said, we don't have an adequate level of control and explainability over how (laughs) our systems use data.
1: Oh, my goodness.
0: Well, that's a glowing recommendation for Facebook engineers, isn't it?
1: Nothing to see here. Just move along. Everyone keeps scrolling. Yeah,
0: they can't make policy changes saying we will not use this data for this purpose, like weight or age or school information about your kids. Right. For example. Nope.
1: It's interesting because I actually do Facebook ads for number of people. And since the ask app not to track and all those kind of privacy things, there's actually many interest categories that you cannot select anymore inside Facebook ads. Good. And so your options for targeting is much limited. You can still do age, location, as far as geography, male, female, and other and all that. But there's a lot of interests that are not there anymore. So I find that pretty fascinating. It's a big deal for Facebook. I mean, that's their business model is advertising and not having access to some of those interests. I'm curious what that means in the long term.
0: They have said that they were going to pivot towards creating systems that deliver personalized ads without needing as much data about individual users. Right. Because really humans, broadly speaking, are fairly easy to categorize. (laughs) You don't have to know everything about somebody, but broad categories, white, male, makes this much, lives over here, works there. That's probably enough to be able to target an awful lot of advertising.
1: Well, Charles, I'm wearing athletic shorts, a blue T-shirt, and I drive a Kia Soul. What can you ascertain from that?
0: You're a very cool dude. Uh,
1: Yeah, okay. Whatever you say.
0: All right. (laughs) Stephen only gets the cool dude ad. Yeah,
1: exactly. (laughs) No, they know to advertise iPhone accessories to me. That's all I see on Instagram.
0: Right. Yeah. And that's the thing is the better that tracking is working, the more ads you're going to get that may hit the target, but are just, but obviously are, we're just throwing stuff at the wall. Right. Right. (laughs) And see what you click on. And that's what I like.
1: Yeah. And as soon as you click on it, you will see that forever until you buy it. Yeah. And even after you buy it.
0: (laughs) And speaking of monkey see, (laughs) monkey do. Google has decided to put up privacy notifications Look at that on their apps in the Google Play Store. They call it data safety <laughs> because <laughs> privacy and Google, by law, can't be associated with each other. <laughs> but they say this is the same basic concept. It summarizes the data safety practices of the app. I'll be fascinated to see how honest they are, because I know... <laughs> There's a great site called ContraChrome that Alan and I talked about last week that will tell you the scoop on the way and what data is collected and what they do with it at Google. But anyway, so since I know that, it'll be interesting to see, let's say, what the data safety nutrition label says for, say, Google Maps.
1: Yeah, that is true.
0: That would be interesting.
1: Yeah, and I do like some of the seemingly unique ways they're talking about, it, like data being encrypted in transit and the ability to request that your data be deleted from an app or service. Yeah, I like that.
0: Yeah, these are all good moves in anticipation of laws, probably from the EU. And that's okay with me. Yeah, for sure. Good moves. But they're going to require the developers to submit this information. So essentially, Google is going through the same thing that Apple is going through. If you don't update this app that hasn't been updated in years, Mm -hmm. we're going to remove it from the store because you don't have you don't have a data safety update. (laughs) (laughs) Irony. And the last but not least, holy cow. I'm not sure if Stevens had a chance to really digest this story, but there's a guy out there named Craig Hunter, and he has a blog. and He got a Mac Studio. He got the 20 core M1 Ultra. He also got the Studio Display because Apple Apple has loaned him both of these things. He doesn't own them, but he has the usual nice things to say about the setup of the Mac Studio and the usual nice things that everybody would say about it. And he likes the Apple Studio Display a great deal, so hasn't tried out the webcam, obviously. (laughs) 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 But the way he tested this thing is different than the way everybody else tested it. And that's why I'm talking about it now. I'm going to get Mike's comments on this next week. But one of the things that Mr. Hunter does is computational fluid dynamics, which will be referred to as CFD henceforth. It's a benchmark that is really computationally intense and stresses the entire system. So it's an ideal Benchmark for not just testing the processor, but how it all works together. And in particular, talking about parallel performance. So this is not a single core measurement. Right. He's using a NASA program and looking at a classic NACA 012 airfoil section, how about airspeed and all that at low speed conditions. He's running this simulation to see what kind of numbers he gets. And that program has the ability to specify how many cores it will use. To work on this. So he started with one core, two cores, three cores. And here's the problem with most benchmarks is that as you add cores to a difficult mathematical computational problem, they actually slow down compared to what you would think. It's not perfectly exponential, like you would think it would be because of the interconnects. The memory is being stressed. The whole system and all the ways those systems communicate with each other is being stressed. Right. That's why CFD is such a great benchmark. Right. So he looked at the performance of a whole bunch of Mac Pros from the mid-2012 Mac Pro to the current 2019 Mac Pro and tested. And he had this chart that shows all of those different ones. You'll never guess, but the later Mac Pro beat out all the others quite significantly right? That's the Intel Mac Pro. Of course it did. The more cores you add, the harder it gets to get significantly higher numbers is what I'm trying to say. So the best that the Mac Pro could do 2019 was something approaching 90 gigaflops. Yeah, for sure. That's a lot. That's amazing. That's strong performance. But that's from the 28 core Mac Pro from 2019, right? Right. So then he put the Mac Studio on Yes. And he beat the 2019 Macro in overall system stress on difficult computational problems mm-hmm. with six of its cores. <laughs> you heard me right. It beat the 28 core Macro, the Mac Studio beat it with six cores. And indeed, the chart that he had to prepare that was showing all the results up to that point, the Mac Studio just went straight up. There was no degradation of performance. And so it went past 100 gigaflops and he had to redo the chart by double. (laughs) which, of course, makes all the older ones look terrible. Eventually, he got to 16 cores on the Mac Studio, which I think is as many as it has. Oh, yeah. And this was over 180 gigaflops, whereas the 28-core Mac Pro from 2019 could only do 90. Right. That's an effective doubling of performance. But the thing is that there's almost no fall-off from the stress of the rest of the system, the memory access, the parallel communication, graphics bandwidth, et cetera, et cetera.
1: Now this, correct me if I'm wrong, so this is really measuring the CPU performance, not necessarily the GPU.
0: Right. Yeah, this is not GPU intense at all.
1: Right, right, right. So I think that's interesting because like he says in the article, GPU is typically what's really focused on, especially with all the focus on video and things like that, 3D rendering, which the 2019 Mac Pro, because you can do things like afterburner cards and double GPU cards and all that, will still outperform on GPU. But Amazing to see the CPU, which is something that I think that I utilize more personally. Amazing to see that kind of performance. And... Then very curious what the Apple Silicon Mac Pro will do in both of these areas, CPU and GPU.
0: You've got to see the chart on this because as with all computers, as you stress the system more and more, that line curves. It doesn't go straight up unless you're the Mac Studio. Yeah. (laughs) In which case it goes almost completely straight up. It's amazing. Yeah, it's just (laughs) mind-blowing. And so with all that in mind, imagine the M2 Ultra.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Right. Ridiculous.
0: That's the correct response.
1: Ridiculous.
0: Wow. So you asked me earlier on, is Apple going to be able to maintain its lead? Yeah. Yeah. I will show you this.
1: (laughs) What's sad to me personally is that I don't do work that will really touch any of these performance levels probably ever. And my M1 Max Mac Studio is probably all I will need for the rest of my life. (laughs) And any other purchases.
0: Well, that might be a reach because there will be new and difficult problems to solve in the future. But
1: that's true. Maybe we'll do a spatial audio surround sound podcasting decades from now. And that will require the M15 Ultra Max. Yes,
0: exactly. We'll see. Right. (laughs) You'll be doing your podcast in audio visual sense around.
1: Oh, my goodness. (laughs) Amazing. I might have to to put pants on instead of just shorts if I'm going to be doing that.
0: Right. Exactly. So, yeah, we can't predict tomorrow's problems, but I will say this, that this is only comparing Mac Pros. But remember, all these Mac Pros Intel chips. Right. Man, does this make Intel look bad.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's incredible.
0: At least for the moment. Yeah. Intel's working on their own solution. They're probably also trying to hire Apple engineers away. <laughs> yeah, for sure. So we'll see what Intel can do in the years to come. And I imagine it will get more competitive. But right now, if you need raw computational power, and again, I'll ask Mike more about this because this is the kind of stuff he does with this. All right. If you want raw computational power, ooh, you're looking at a Mac Studio.
1: Mac Studio is it. That's it. That is it.
0: Stephen, it's been so delightful having you back on far too long. And I'm particularly glad that you were able to come to our penultimate regular episode. I keep saying the words regular episode because just to reiterate for people who missed the announcement a few weeks ago, Mike and I are going to wind down Space Javelin as a regular podcast because we just have to reclaim our weekends. He's got different reasons than I do for this, but we both have projects that need this time and we sort of have to get it back. So much as we love doing it, and Mike in particular really loves doing it, you wouldn't guess from all the swearing,
1: but <laughs> <laughs> I, got, yes. I got me They got me
0: Yep. see He's laughing because he knows Mike Yeah <laughs> So it breaks our heart in a way But we're not closing the door entirely We are going to leave the old episodes up And we might, might, maybe Do at least one more special report Because WWDC is so close and Yeah, yeah The temptation is kind of huge <laughs> for that But absolutely no more quarterly report This is our last one ever
1: the yeah. And I'll just say, Charles, first of all, I mean, yes, thank you for having me on. It's an honor. But also, if your listeners don't know, making a podcast, while it appears like you're just talking into a microphone for an hour a week, there are many, many hours of work that go behind the scenes. And Charles and Mike have done lots of work for, with special episodes, over 300. And that is an incredible run. And when you look at other podcasts and how many don't make it past 10 episodes, it's kind of staggering and and sad just, you know, how many great ideas it's difficult to make it. This is a tremendous success. And Mike, Charles, you guys should be proud of what you have done. And congratulations on a wonderful run. Oh, now I'm all bashful. Oh, shucks.
0: Thanks. We do appreciate it. Uh, we've had a number of listeners say, oh, no, <laughs> I'm going to listen until the very last bleep. Uh, and I'm especially proud of the audience that we have managed to attract in particular. But people do ask, well, what should I listen to after this? And the first thing out of my mouth, of course, is our back catalog. And then
1: <laughs> you, got, you got me in there.
0: <laughs> the second thing so good. is that now that Stephen Robles is running the Apple Insider podcast, I'm a regular listener. I enjoy it. It's a good show. And you're talking to two of my favorite people on Apple Insider, Wesley Hilliard and William Gallagher and others. So, yes, I encourage people to give it a listen and see if it's for you. But there are a number of good. Yes. Jason Snell has another great podcast out there that you should probably be listening to. Several, in fact.
1: Yes. Upgrade.
0: Yep. Yes, he does many.
1: Yes, he does many. He does many.
0: And there are many others. So please do support your local independent Mac news and we'll see what the future holds for us. But I'm hoping that next week isn't the last time you hear Mike and I chatting about stuff. We'll see what the future holds, but we are winding it down. So the last regular episode will be next week. And Mike is actually going to be there.
1: That's wonderful. Well, thank you, Charles. And again, congratulations, seriously, on a, on an incredible run. You guys do a great job.
0: I appreciate that. Yeah, we're going to end with 275 of our own episodes. And then there's the Mac and N podcast. Right. So we did before that. So
1: amazing. Ah, long lost Mac and N.
0: Anyway, thank you, Stephen, for being here. We really appreciate
1: it. It's been a pleasure. Good night, everybody. Good night.
0: Space Javelin is produced each week, barring holidays, by Charles Martin, along with co-host Mike Worthley, featuring original music by Bradley McBurney. You can contact us via email at spacejavelin at gmail.com, on Facebook at Space Javelins with an S, and on Twitter at Space Javelin. This podcast is copyright 2022 by Space Javelin, all rights reserved.